This week, the Rochester Rundown is brought to you by Ultra Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial institution with two convenient branches right here in Rochester. Ultra is proud to support local independent journalism on Med City Beat. Back to school season has always been a time of preparation and excitement for young families. And while that feeling is still there this year, the persisting pandemic adds a layer of uncertainty and raises a tough decision for many parents of Rochester's elementary schoolers. Send my child back to school or keep them entirely at home? One in five parents have decided on the latter option and we'll bring you the reasons why coming up in a bit. Plus, the news of the past week, including the latest on the Hagedorn mailing scandal and the scoop on a new restaurant taking over in one of the most historic buildings in our city. I'm Isaac Janes. It's Friday, September 11th, 2020. Now let's get to the news. Thousands of students in Rochester are just now settling into the 2020-21 school year, under national circumstances that no family could dream of at this time last September. The release of long-awaited guidelines for reopening schools. The CDC unveiling new resources and tools for teachers and parents, among others, ahead of the start of the school year. The CDC is now stressing the importance of in-person instruction, but encouraging social distancing and keeping the same teachers and students together in groups called pods to contain possible outbreaks. We may be in classrooms, we may be out of them at certain times, but how do we make sure that the localized situation is being taken into consideration and that safety and learning environment is put forward? Rochester Public Schools took the middle ground between distance learning and in-person classes for its youngest learners, implementing a hybrid learning model for elementary schoolers. Students do distance learning three days a week and come to school twice a week, with the school operating at about 50% capacity each day. But even then, a large chunk of RPS parents have decided to stick with full-time distance learning. Superintendent Michael Munoz has said the district plans for 20% of all elementary students to opt out, with at least 50 elementary teachers that opted out of in-person instruction themselves slated to teach them remotely five days a week. We, We really didn't think they would go back to school at all. That's the voice of Kim Woodruff, mother of nine-year-old Judah. She's one of those parents keeping her child at home for the time being, although that wasn't always the plan. Originally, she and her husband planned to let Judah go back to school at Riverside Central Elementary. However, after hearing stories from parents in districts who had to walk back their original plans to open, most recently and locally, St. Charles, the family decided it was best to keep their son home, avoiding the potential for another year of cycling between in-person and distance learning. The final decision to keep him home was made really out of just consistency, even more so than like fear of illness or anything like that. Like The Woodruff family is not alone. Susan Olson says the abrupt stoppage from last March was disruptive to the family and confusing to her son. And with so much still unknown about the virus and a vaccine still at least two months out, almost certainly much longer for the greater population, opting out was the best and easiest way to ensure consistency. And it was just kind of like we flipped our lives upside down, right? So I guess this is a way to be proactive against that where he's not all of a sudden going to have to have that happen again. Now, it's important to keep in mind that only certain families even have the option to opt out. Woodruff works part-time and her husband is self-employed, so they are able to balance their work schedules with Judah's classwork and make sure someone is at home with him at all times. And that makes them one of the lucky ones. Families with two full-time working parents don't get to make that decision, especially those who have to hold down multiple jobs at once to support the family. 
There's a lot of people in that situation. Last week, NPR News reported that over 360 RPS elementary schoolers were on a waiting list for essential worker childcare, with hundreds more out of luck after school-aged childcare, or SAC, ran out of spots at their respective schools. And as a former lunch lady in the district, Woodruff has seen firsthand the broad role that a school can play in the child's development, far past simply education. It promotes socialization, sets routines, and provides support systems for children that need it most. We did have students who were facing homelessness mm-hmm. and some that were homeless and school was that place where they had structure and other adults as part of their team to help them, not just with education, but with any problems they might be facing. Um, it's hugely important, in my opinion. RPS will allow parents to opt in or out on a quarterly basis with the next phase of the learning plan expected by the MEA break in mid-October. There's currently no word on what the district's plans are for Phase 2, but a shift backwards to full-time distance learning seems unlikely, thanks to relatively stable COVID-19 numbers across Olmstead County. That means those who have opted out will likely face another decision in a month's time. Is now the right time to go back? For the Woodruff family, it sounds as if the final decision has already been made. I don't want to play with my child's health in that way because, and I don't judge any other parent who who sends them back at, at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, some, some of my best friends are sending their kids back and they're comfortable with that. But I, ha- I do have the luxury to keep him home and I'm, I'm thinking he's probably going to stay home the school year. The Med City Beats Rochester Rundown is sponsored by Ultra Federal Credit Union. Whether you are in the market for a home mortgage, car loan, or are simply looking for a trusted brand to manage your money, Ultra is here to help. Unlike large, privately owned banks, Ultra is a credit union owned by its members, allowing it to reinvest profits in its stakeholders, employees, and the communities in which it operates. Among its key priorities promoting financial literacy to local youth through the Ultra Foundation. To learn more about how Ultra can help you live your best life, visit ultra.org. Now we'll look at the top stories on our site from the past week. More on all these stories are available now at medcitybeat.com. After coming under public pressure over irregular spending, the office of 1st District Representative Jim Hagedorn released an internal review over Labor Day weekend, confirming improper connections between two Hagedorn staffers and two printing contractors hired to produce franked mail. The report, filed by prominent D.C. ethics lawyer Elliot Berkey, notes that one company, Abernathy West, was owned by the brother of Hagedorn's former chief of staff, Peter Sue. The other, Invoke Technologies, is owned by a Hagedorn staffer, but the report found no evidence of intentional wrongdoing on Invoke's part, and for that matter, no intentional wrongdoing on Hagedorn's part. That is an assertion disputed by the Minnesota DFL and Peter Sue himself, that aforementioned former chief of staff. Read our article for the full story. There is much more to this. Following the recent closure of their first culinary endeavor, Rochester restaurateurs Eunice and Amber Boji say they are returning to the Rochester food scene, complete with a new space, a new name, and a revamped restaurant concept. The Bogies, whose restaurant Casablanca Creative Cuisine closed in August after a five-year run, have revealed that their latest project, Chez Bogie, will take over the first floor of the Avalon building. Amber Bogie tells us the restaurant should be open by October 1st. 
And before we go, a quick check of Olmstead County's COVID-19 numbers. After a slight spike in cases last week, numbers came back down to levels we saw in late August, with 83 cases reported in the last seven days. Seven-day rolling averages have come back down to around 12 cases after a quick spike to above 15 last week. If you'd like to check these numbers for yourself, Olmstead County Public Health releases their weekly report every Wednesday, complete with more stats that we could ever share in a quick podcast like this. And that is where we will end this week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, the best way to support us is to become a member. Be a part of quality local journalism at medcitybeat.com slash membership. One thing before we go, for any local artists listening, check out the Art for Trails website for more information on their recent call for artists to create sculptures and bike racks for Rochester's trails next Tuesday. So don't delay. I'm Isaac James with Med City Beat. Have a great weekend, everybody. And I'll talk to you next Friday.